Okay, we are here. Oh, we are here and we are ready to roll. No Hope Radio. So good to be with you. Here on the radio, WARV 1590 AM, 92.7 FM. That's good. The Hope Club podcast. You'll be listening to this later. And of course, New Hope Radio on Facebook. Next week, we'll be on YouTube. New Hope Radio YouTube. Come on now. Don't miss out on this. Go to newhopecc.tv, click media, click New Hope Radio, click the microphone. That's it. You're in. Subscribe to the program. Catch us on YouTube every day. We love to study the Word of God together. It's the most important thing. Okay. Did you ever think deeply about the crucifixion and how Jesus was crucified for you and me. He was crucified for all of us. Did you ever think deeply about that? And what kind of an impression did it make on you? And welcome Cindy and Doreen, social media moguls, here with us on the Hope Radio. I really want us to think today about the gravity of what Jesus did for us, the depth of suffering that he went through for us so he could have us in heaven with him. We left off yesterday, Jesus was before Pilate. Remember Pilate? He asked him if he was a king. And Jesus said, My kingdom's not of this world. It's not of this realm. Like, it's not from around here, Mr. Pilate. Jesus is a king, no doubt about it. Oh, he's the king of kings. And he does have a kingdom. But it's not here. And it's not now. So we're at the end of this pilot interrogation. And we open up in John 19, and Janine is checking in. So in John 19, verse 1, Pilate, he took Jesus and he had him whipped. I'm like, Pilate, why'd you do that? What's the point? And perhaps Pilate hoped that a good flogging would satisfy the Jews and enable him to release Jesus. Yeah, I gave the guy a whipping. Now, let him go. Leave me alone. Let's be on with it. So, Pilate had Jesus whipped to appease the people. You know, I think about that Pilate, right? I don't know. Did he have any backbone or what? It's amazing what people will do to satisfy the crowd. Do you ever find yourself in that situation? Do you ever find yourself in the minority of a group of people? Maybe you had a differing opinion. Then everybody else, and hey, you felt like all eyes were on you. And you had to make a choice. And the choice was between either your convictions or the wants of the crowd. I think that's a pretty common experience for Christians. That peer pressure. Sometimes we buckle, sometimes we don't. Pilate buckled. 
He buckled to the wants of the crowd, as we will see, but that was the plan. But you know, when you've been in that situation, it's not an easy place to be. Especially here you are, right? You're a member of God's kingdom, and you're living in a world that really is Satan's kingdom. It's a lot of decisions we make which go against the majority. Well, you know what happened? Pilate's wife came on the scene. And Matthew 27 says, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message. And you know what she said in that message? Have nothing to do with that righteous man. Oh, you think Mrs. Pilate got saved? I bet she did. I'll bet Mrs. Pilate's in heaven right now. Have nothing to do with that righteous man. For last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. Wow. God visited her in a dream and showed her Jesus. Oh, but the chief priests and the elders, they persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. So Pilate's got his wife on one side and the crowd on the other. Let me tell you something, man. (laughs) If you're ever in that situation, listen to your wife. (laughs) Not the crowd. Why? Because you're going to live with your wife. You're not going to live with the crowd. Yeah, Doreen said, Pilate was a people pleaser. Yeah, and that is a dangerous place to be. Because if you're always pleasing people, you'll probably never be pleasing to yourself. So the soldiers get in on the action in verse 2, and they twist it together, a crown of thorns, and they put it on his head. And they put a purple robe on Jesus, and they began to come up to him and say, Hail, King of the Jews. And they gave him slaps in the face. You know when you get slapped in the face, it's like pushing an extra anger button. A slap is like worse than a punch. Something about a slap. I don't know what it is, but man, it instills anger. And they did it to Jesus, but Jesus didn't get angry. They slapped him around and they said, Hail, King of the Jews. There's a mocking going on here that I never really realized before. And I'm going to read something from Philo. You know Philo? He was a Jewish writer. And there's a book entitled Literature of the Jewish People in the Time of Jesus. And um, it's good to read things like this that complement the Gospels. And it kind of sheds a light on what Jesus went through and why they did to him what they did. Here's what he wrote. There was a certain madman named Carabbas. Now, Carabbas is not to be confused with Barabbas, okay? This is Carabbas. And here's what Philo wrote. He was afflicted, not with a wild, savage, and dangerous madness, but with an intermittent and more gentle kind. So this man, he was mad, not in his right mind, but he wasn't violent. And he said, This man spent all his days and nights naked in the roads, and he didn't mind either the heat or the cold. And he was the sport of idle children and youths. 
And what they did was they drove the poor guy as far as the public gymnasium and setting him up there on high on the big steps. He might be seen by everybody. And they flattened out a leaf of papyrus and they put it on his head instead of a crown. And they clothed the rest of his body with a common doormat instead of a cloak. And instead of a scepter, they put in his hand a small stick of papyrus, which they found lying by the side of the road. And they gave it to him. And then like actors in a theatrical spectacle, he had received all the insignia of royal authority and had been dressed up and adorned like a king. The young men bearing sticks on their shoulders, they stood on each side of him. And they were like bodyguards in imitation of the bodyguards of the king. And then others came up and some saluted him and others making as though they wished to plead their causes before him. Others pretending to wish to consult with him about the affairs of state. And then from the multitude of those who were standing around, there arose a wonderful shout of people calling out, Maris! This is the name by which it is said they call the kings of the Syrians, Maris! And they call this man, Maris, called him a king. And then now one contemporary writer, he sums it up like this. It is a sorrowful thing that the soldiers treated Jesus as a mocking crowd might treat a madman. See, what they did to Carabbas, basically, they did to Jesus. So Jesus, Jesus was brought back out, bruised, bleeding, wearing a purple robe and a crown of thorns on his head, a mockery to his kingship, all these poor soldiers are so stupid. They had no idea. They had no idea what they were doing to the king of kings. Oh, they know now. Oh, do they know now. It's too late. And then they brought Jesus back, and he refused to answer any more of Pilate's questions. And Pilate threatened him. He said, listen, I can have you crucified. Talk to me. Jesus, you got to love Jesus. He said, you would have no authority over me unless it was given to you from above. The only authority you have over me, Pilate, is what my Father has given you. Man, we can learn a lot from Jesus right there. Because when you know that you're on a mission for God, you're confident that you're in God's hands. Did you hear that? When you know that you are on a mission for God, you're confident that you're in God's hands. And Jesus knew who he was, where he was from, what he was doing, and where he was going. Oh yeah, he knew those four things. And that's why he had confidence. Do you know where you're going? That'll give you confidence if you do. So then they took Jesus, therefore, and he went out bearing his own cross. 
After all that, the beating, the whipping, the crown of thorns pressing down on his head. Now they lay this probably a 200-pound beam across his shoulders, and he's carrying this cross through the city to the place called a skull. In Hebrew, they call it Golgotha because it looks like a skull. And there they crucified him. And you know, he, he didn't even have the dignity of being crucified alone. They put him between two other men, lawbreakers. The Bible calls them thieves, but they were actually zealots. They were, they were like Jewish, Jewish militia that rose up against Rome. You know, in Rome, when, when the Romans caught these guys, oh, they made a spectacle of them. You rebel against Rome, this is going to happen to you. And they crucified him. So Jesus was between these two guys. And then what Pilate did, Pilate is fulfilling scripture and he doesn't even know it. He wrote an inscription and he put it on the cross and it said, Jesus the Nazarene, the king of the Jews. Now, why did Pilate do that? Because it was standard. When a guy was crucified, they usually put a board on the top of the cross that named his crime. So Jesus, his crime was he was king of the Jews. That was his crime. That's why they crucified him. So under all that mockery was buried the truth of who he really was. And the Old Testament prophet Isaiah he had some phenomenal revelations about Christ. Boy, what was it like to be an Old Testament prophet and have God reveal to you things about the coming Messiah? That must have been like mind-blowing. And you know what he said? He said that basically when Jesus comes, he'd pour out himself to death. And he'd be numbered with the transgressors. That's those two guys. The two criminals. And yet he himself, he bore the sin of many. And he even interceded for the transgressors. And you know what? You know who else that includes? I believe the Romans. Didn't he pray for the Romans? Didn't he pray, Father, forgive them? These guys are lost. They don't know what they're doing. They are in such darkness, they can't even see. You know, that's what spiritual darkness does. It blinds you. Blinds you spiritually. You know what's good about spiritual darkness? Nothing. Nothing's good. It stinks. It sends people to hell. And there's a lot of folks, they do dark things because they're in spiritual darkness. They rob, they steal, they kill. In pornography, they sell drugs. Why do they do that? Spiritual darkness. It's a bad place to be. And then, therefore, many of the Jews, they read that inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified, near the city. It was written in Hebrew, Latin, and in Greek. Ain't that a kicker? They wrote it in three languages. 
And why did they write it in three languages? Because these were the three great nations of that day. The Romans, great nation, they taught the world law and good government. You know, the United States is really a republic. A lot of our laws are based on the ancient Romans. Then the Greeks, they taught the world beauty of form and thought. Greeks loved to debate. They were very intellectual. And then the Hebrews, you know what they taught the world? Worship of the one true God. So in Jesus, these three things meet. We've got the kingdom of God with perfect rule as Rome taught us a great government. In Jesus, we get the perfect government, God's kingdom. Jesus taught us and demonstrated supreme beauty and the highest of thought because he was the wisdom of God. <laughs> when Jesus spoke, we heard God's wisdom, the highest form of thought there ever could be. And the Jews taught people how to worship the one true God, and Jesus is the very image of God, isn't he? Yeah, that's what the Bible tells us. He's the image of God. And Pilate used this inscription, probably without knowing it, explaining to the world who this Jesus the Nazarene was, and also with knowing it to irritate the Jews. Because remember, they came and said, no, <clears throat> right? He said he was the king of the Jews. Pilate wrote, the king of the Jews. They didn't like that. <clears throat> they, didn't like, they said, no, right? He said he was. That makes all the difference in the world. Pilate said, I've written what I was written, what I have written. <laughs> That's it. And maybe God used this little sign on the cross to declare his son to the world. Did you ever think that a little inscription written by a pagan could, pro could proclaim Jesus Christ? And it did. Oh, it did. It certainly did. That's why the chief priests, they didn't like it. They said, no, don't write that. Just put he said in front of it. Can't you do that, Pilate? He said, no, I'm done. I'm done with you people. I'm done with this whole scene. What I have written, I have written, and it's over. Man, I'm like, Pilate, you finally got a little backbone. You let the crowd push you around. You let them manipulate you. You wouldn't even listen to the wisdom of your wife that heard from God. Well, at least now you got some backbone, Mr. Pilate. And I'm glad you did. I would say that God was having his way with him. He used Pilate. Yes, he used Pilate to crucify Jesus. But he also used Pilate to proclaim who he was. And see, that's the important part. Because if Jesus was crucified and nobody knows it, then nobody responds to the gospel. The, 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 the intention of the crucifixion is to proclaim it. Yes, he died for the sins of the world, but that can't be a message that stays in the envelope sealed. 
It's a message that's got to be taken out and proclaimed worldwide. This is God's intention. So I'd like to close with Adam Clark as he interprets this phrase for us. Here's what he said. I have executed the great designs of the Almighty. This is like, say, if Jesus is talking, okay. I've executed the great designs of the Almighty. I have satisfied the demands of His justice. I have accomplished all that was written in the prophets. And I suffered the most malice of my enemies. And now, the way to the Holy of Holies is made manifest through my blood. Wow, through His blood. An awful, yet glorious, finished. Through this tragic death, God is reconciled to man. I should say man is reconciled to God. And the kingdom of heaven, it's open to every believing soul. It's open to everybody. And if you become a believer, you get in. So you know what the question is? Are you a believing soul? That's the question. That's the million-dollar question that every human being must have come to terms with. Am I a believing soul? You look at what Christ did. And by the way, don't forget, Jesus did all of this willingly. He's the one that said, I lay my life down, and I'll pick it up again. He did this willingly for us. We have to really understand the depth of this crucifixion, of this sacrifice for us. It's a heartbreaker. I mean, if you've got ears to hear and a heart to understand, it breaks your heart when you read the story of the crucifixion. But it always ends in joy. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And you know what that joy was? Us. He did it for us. We're the joy that Jesus died for. Why would anybody want to trample on that blood? The precious blood of Jesus Christ. Why would anybody? Well, you know why? Spiritual darkness. That's why. You can't see. You can't see. You can't think. You can't know. Will's in trouble. And the hope of the world is the church. You have to remember that. If you're in the church, if you're in the body of Christ, everybody has a part to play. To what? Proclaim. That's all. Proclaim the good news. Tragic end, but it, but it finished in joy. I want you to think of your own life. Yes, the, and I really believe this, the tragedies that we experience will end in joy. Be a believer. Believe that. Oh, there's a lot of tragedies in life. There are. We suffer tragedies. But they'll end in joy. Be a believer. You know, even the people that buried Jesus, they came to the tomb that Sunday and they thought it was over. They were surprised to see that Jesus rose from the dead. Even though he told them he would, 
They kind of like, I don't know if they believed it because no one ever did. But it ended in joy. Great. Wow. He's going to meet us in Galilee. Let's go. And they went. They went to Galilee and there he was in all his glory. And then you know what he did? He gave them the great commission. Go into all the world now. You know what I've done, right? Yeah, Jesus. Go tell people. Go tell them. People need to know. Of anything they ever learn, this is the most important thing. They need to know. Tell them. Give them the gospel. Baptize them. Get them committed to the gospel. Teach them to live according to the gospel, the good news, the word of God. That's the function. That's the calling, the mission of every believing soul. Don't be indifferent. Don't be passive. Don't fall asleep. You know what? You've only got a few years left to live. Now, I don't care how old you are. You've only got a few years left in compared to eternity. You may have 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. It's still a few. Life is a vapor. And one day, so use it. Use your life. Redeem the time. Make the most of the time. You know what Paul said? Because the days are evil. Oh, bad days out there. Oh, it's getting worse. It is getting worse. But you know what? We have hope. And our hope is in Christ. And our mission is to turn other people on to the Lord Jesus. That's our mission. Spread the joy. That's it. Spread the joy. Hey, listen. I really hope this just kind of brought you closer to Christ. Made you think more seriously about your relationship with God and, and who Jesus is and how much he loves you and, and what he did for you. Make sure you get to church on Sunday. You have a church? Get to church. Go to church. Be around a fellowship of believers. I know a lot of churches aren't open. Some are, some aren't. I will say find one that is. We're open. Our services are open, 9 and 1030 every Sunday. Yeah, we're online too, Facebook and YouTube, 9 o'clock live. But uh, we like it when people come. We're safe, we're distance, and we trust God. But get to another church. Go and grow. You got to go, and you got to grow. Don't forget, we're on the radio tomorrow at 3 o'clock, Saturday, WARV. Driving around, running errands, doing things. Check it out. Our messages are usually pretty positive, and we try to lift people up. So I hope that you'll do that. And don't forget, next Tuesday, YouTube. Go to newhopecc.tv, click media, New Hope Radio. Click the microphone, become a subscriber. That's it. See you next week for more of New Hope Radio.